This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. Let's get into it. I'm Mr. Adam X. I'm your host of the Pursuit Podcast. You're listening on the Auto Collective. Super, God, I said every time, super great guest this week, but really, this is like a phenomenal guest, phenomenal human, and the conversation is important. But before we get into that conversation, let's let's talk about our sponsors. Uh, my first sponsor this week is Mammut. You guys know them. You love them. They make clothing. They make footwear. They make equipment. Uh, what I really didn't know is too much about their footwear, so go check them out. They make hiking shoes, approach shoes, casual shoes. Um, the clothing is phenomenal. I literally wore my raincoat in like a torrential downpour this week and literally bone dry. It's crazy. Uh, they make really great equipment. Go to mammut.com. And if you're thinking about it, I know ski season's like right around the corner, but like we're giving you 25% off. Find me a better deal than that. Go to mammut.com. Use code out of bounds. 25 it's capital o capital o capital b and the number 25 and on like really you're gonna save 25 percent off your order that's basically a pro deal people memu.com use code out of bounds 25 capital o capital o capital b 25 uh yeah it doesn't get much better than that deal so Take advantage of it while it exists. Second sponsor this week, Sierra Nevada. I am obsessed with this hops water. Seriously, go get yourself some hops water. Uh, it's available online. I think you can buy it at Whole Foods. It is so good. Like genuinely tastes so delicious. I love everything about it. I really do. I can't get enough of this uh, Sierra Nevada hops water. It just tastes good. Like, I, I don't know what kind of ad you can say. It's just Sierra Nevada Hop Splash. It's so good. Go to their website. Find out more about it. Uh, they make it all. They're the king of beers. They really are. I don't, it's like the official beer of camping. I don't I don't know what else to tell you. Um, go get yourself some beer. Get yourself some hard kombucha. Get yourself some hops water, specifically that hop splash. Uh, I believe the hop splash is available online, or you can get it at Whole Foods. Go to shop.sierranevada.com. They got a lot of cool swag on there. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, fanny packs, beer buckets, coolers, T-shirts. Again, shop.sierranevada.com, and get yourself something rad. Let me know what you think of that hop splash. And my final sponsor for this episode this week is my friends over at Goo, Goo Energy. Uh, they save me from bonking like every time I go outside and do anything active. So go to gooenergy.com, use code out of bounds, save you a couple bucks. They have chews, they have waffles, they have capsules, drink mix, gels, kind of something for every situation. And it's, it literally saves me while pedaling, while hiking. They have caffeine options, no caffeine options. And the flavor profile is like insane. From tutti frutti to salted lime, pineapple, salted caramel, salted watermelon, my personal favorite. Tastefully nude, so it like really doesn't have a flavor. 
orange, vanilla, I mean, really any flavor that you're looking for, they have it. And don't even get me started on the energy chews. I eat them like candy. I know I shouldn't, but I love them so much. So go to gooenergy.com, use code out of bounds, save yourself a couple bucks. And now let's talk about my guest this week. Blake Hansen is like one of the greater humans I've ever had a conversation with. I don't know if I said Henson or Hansen, but it's Hansen. Um, Blake is a self, self-proclaimed, I don't know how, she's been yeeting coyote turds at rude people since 1999. Let's say that. Um, we talk about, we talk about everything. Um, from her video projects to transitioning, growing up in a Mormon household, and just what it's like to be human and how to treat people like humans. It's a very important conversation and it's it's educational. So listen and learn and take it in and have the maybe uncomfortable conversations because that's how we create change and that's how we make a better world. We have uncomfortable conversations and we learn from each other and we remember and, and I think Blake said it, you know, take a step back. It's someone's daughter, it's someone's son. Let's have these conversations. Let's listen and learn. Uh, so enjoy this episode as much as I did because it's phenomenal. And Blake, thank you so much for being a guest. And I do want to say, I guess I said this a couple times, but Blake was also on our partner's podcast, Big Stick Energy with Renee and Tori. And they deep dive into it. They deep dive into the science of it all. And it is a way deeper conversation than my brain has the capacity to have. So I'd like to think Blake and I dumbed it down a little bit for you all. But go listen to that episode of Big Stick Energy. And then come over here and listen to this episode. Because uh, I think we cover different topics and there's a lot of overlapping. So, okay, finally, here's the episode. Blake, you're phenomenal. Uh, We're going to be best friends now. So I'm sorry about that. And um, deal with it. Cool. Yeah. My name is Blake Hansen. I ride bikes um, and movies, I guess. Been doing movie stuff for like eight years. Been doing bikes in a professional manner, I guess, for like two now. So the bikes is kind of a newish thing. Were the bikes always part of it? Did I lose you? I'm still here. Okay. But that was kind of spotty for a sec, eh? Yeah, I think we're back. I think we're back. Yeah. Um, so did some video, started bikes two years ago, but you didn't just start bikes and become a professional cyclist. Mountain biker? Right. Biker? Mountain biker, yeah. Mountain biker. So where does the where's the video come into play, and where does the, the mountain biking, like, holy shit, I can do this come into play? Yeah, great question. Definitely a lot of background context there, I think, that I've never actually, like, probably shared in a public sense. So, really, it's a great question. Wow, look at me. Um, Two minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess I grew up riding bikes just like anyone else. I've kind of always done it. Raced BMX as a kid from, like, 8 to 11 on and off. Um, got into mountain biking 
when I was like 14, maybe 13. My uncle, we moved to California from Florida. My uncle was like, yo, let's go mountain biking. And my brother, being previously Floridian, were like, that sounds crazy. Let's do it. And my uncle put me on his nieces or um, his daughter-in-law's like tiny framed mongoose. Cause I was like 13. I was pretty little and I just started ripping that thing. And I was like, Whoa, mountain biking is sick. And then a couple of years later, my dad got us real bikes and then kind of took off from there, rode for like five or six years. And then, moved to Utah, took a big bike break and went straight into snowboarding and was just like pure snowboarding. And then kind of full circle came back to bikes like four years ago. And then the whole time that was happening, like as I graduated high school, I kind of wanted to get into film. So I was pursuing that separate from like sports stuff, I guess kind of intermingledly, but as we all do like snowboard and film your friends skating and stuff. But um, kind of built my way through that and became an assistant editor and then I was an editor and then assistant camera and was just kind of like making my way through I guess like the commercial film world um, yeah and then full circle there's a lot in between which I'm sure we'll get into but full circle now in the past like four years I've built into like I could think I could do something with biking coming back into it and then I started doing that and then all my film stuff came into play and I got to kind of combine the two. So that's what I do now, which is kind of the dream for me. And so I'm pretty psyched about that, but it's still pretty new. So it's all in development, kind of. Yeah, but you like, you don't get to choose to be good at mountain biking. And it's, you just made it sound like you did. <laughs> like. Like, oh, I'm a filmer and I kind of dabble in mountain biking. And then I was like, oh, I could mountain bike and film. So I just decided, I just woke up one day and decided to do that. <laughs> yeah, there's, okay. Do you want me to get into the in-between right now? Yeah, we have so much time to fill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, background context. So, um, how do I, let's see. Okay, so I'll back up. I was like 20... 425 um wasn't touching mountain bikes i had my old mountain bike that my dad had taught me in high school just like collecting dust in the garage out in utah um and was very focused on like building my film career and i was dating someone at the time we were getting ready to get married and then um was like my fun stuff was mostly like motorcycles and snowboarding so like bikes just like wasn't really a thing um at the time and then I kind of like came around to my now ex-wife um and like came out to her as trans and told her you know as we started to get serious that like I didn't think that this would come to this because I didn't think that this was like a <laughs> a real thing that you had to like accept but i'm realizing now at 24 years old that i guess i can't get rid of this trans thing <laughs> so i came out to her and she was really cool and we worked our way through it we did end up getting married um and then he actually i guess 
backing up again. Sorry. I'm really, really good at skipping important detail. This is like, I have like so many questions already. So keep going, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fill you in on the last few little things and then we can start to punch into the details. But basically, um, as we kind of compartmentalized it together, my thing was like, I, I won't transition. It's just like, this is who I am. I'm accepting it, but I'm happy with you. I'm happy with what we're doing. Um, I don't think that I need to transition. And it was always like an open thing. Like she was always very open with saying like, if you need to, like, I don't ever want to stop you from doing that. I think that would maybe affect our relationship, but like, I'm always here to support whatever you need. So as this develops, like just keep me updated. And so over the, like a couple of years, I guess, from 24 to like 26, um, I kind of like got more comfortable with myself and what my needs were and eventually did come to like, I do need a transition. That is what I need. Um, some very dark times to get there, which we can, you can ask about at some point. Um, but basically got there um we got pretty amicably divorced and then i kind of went on but kind of in that process here's the important like combination and changing point in my life um i kind of started to get pushed out of my like professional film world utah a lot of conservatism a lot of mormonism which is a religion that i also grew up in um there people were just pretty uncomfortable with that I can see my dog's tail shadow. <laughs> She's lagging up someone. Anyway, um, people were pretty uncomfortable with that. And like the farther I got into it, the more they got uncomfortable with me and the less calls I would get to come out to work because all of that stuff is very contractual based and freelance. So it's not like anyone is liable to like take care of me or I'm going to sue them. Like we're all, our own bosses. So I just stopped getting calls. And then um, I didn't really have like much work or much to do. So I was just like, I need to fill all this time where I'm going to drive myself insane and make bad choices. So instead of making bad choices, I pulled my bike out of the garage and dusted off. And I was like, this is my new thing. I'm tired of all these film people being assholes. I'm tired of my motorcycle crew like completely forgetting I existed and not inviting me on rides anymore. So I sold, I started riding the bike that I had, realized that the cross country bike wasn't shaken out to like Utah's terrain. So I sold my dirt bike that I was previously spending most days on and then bought a new mountain bike. And then that just became my thing. And because I didn't have work and because people like were really uncomfortable with me, I spent a lot of time alone riding like, multiple hours every single day. Sometimes like maybe half the time, like a morning ride and then an evening ride. And that's just like what I did. And that's really like the time when I went from like pretty good at bikes because I've done it my whole life. So it's like one of those things that's just like second nature to getting like really good at bikes just because I had nothing else to do. So that's kind of the turning point. And then I was kind of, over film just like completely it's just such a shit show for me and the community was really bad um 
And then ironically, bikes brought me back into it. So it's like full circle for me now. So that's more like the background context. There's so much. I I want how old are you? I mean, you don't have to answer that, but that's like, I feel like no, that's I'm like 32. the easiest. Yeah, At no 32, deal. you have lived like a life to write four books already. And I've been talking to you for 10 minutes. <laughs> that's what everyone says. Eventually, I'll probably write a book because it's kind of crazy. It's insane. And I want to. And I don't know this person, but I want to tip my hat to your ex-wife because that the fact that she was st- she stayed with you and supported you through all of that. And I'm sure there were good times and bad times, but like that's a lot for someone to take in. For sure. Like, yeah, the- I mean, big up to Emily. <laughs> We've had that conversation in the past where I'm like, can I talk about you in public? Like, is that okay? And she's like, I support you as long as you're not an asshole. And I'm like, why would I ever be an asshole? Right. Um, yeah. Big support for Emily. She's got big support for me. We love each other. She's got a happy family now. And I love that for her. It's what she always wanted. So I've got nothing but love and support for her. And she's got nothing but love and support for me. That is, everyone listening should take notes on that. <laughs> human interaction we'll just call it that we don't have to call it a marriage we don't have to call it like it's a human interaction and that's how life should be first off i'm sure there were bad times this is like every relationship did you get married you got married at 24 did you get married young in my opinion because of the mormon religion uh good question i think it had its influence um Another thing that I was circling through all at the same time, because there's like so many things that are intermingled here, um, was kind of like my, I don't know, coming of age of learning to look at the world with my own lens that just regard, like with no regard for anything else or anyone else's influence other than my own. Um, You know, like, when I say I came to terms with who I was and realized that it was not going to go away, that's a very loaded thing that has a lot to do with like the way that I grew up and the religion and um, kind of like familial influence and all that stuff. So can you still hear me? Yep. Okay, cool. I just got a battery low reading in my headphones. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'll tell you if, I, right if it jumps to like echoey yeah. computer. I've got two. So I think maybe there's a stereo mic situation going on here okay anyway we'll figure it out um yeah at the same time as like coming to terms with who i was was like coming to terms with that the church wasn't a thing for me anymore it wasn't serving me and it never was from the get-go um so there was that and emily my ex was also part of a mormon family but her herself was not necessarily part of it so we had this relationship that was like never inside the church from the beginning, but it was always with the church all around us, with our families. Um, so it had its influence for sure. I think maybe we would have waited longer if we weren't under that influence, but I couldn't say, I guess. Did we met you- when we did and we waited a long while and then we got married. <laughs> Did you get married in a Mormon church? No. 
Okay. We actually got married in a very pretty garden uh, in in Salt Lake. Even better. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's. I ask you about religion because it is such an influential thing, especially at such a young age. Like, I grew up Catholic and I went to a Catholic school, and like everything you're taught is and then like under that microscope in that world and then especially from what i've learned with mormons like you're everyone is mormon within your crew like mormons hang out with mormons uh, and it's just interesting i don't mean it's good or bad or what like i'm not here to bash anyone's if that's what gets you through the day and you're not a piece of shit then cool if that's what gets you through the day and you are a piece of shit then fuck off um Right. But it's it's interesting. And getting married at 24, I think, is young. So that's why I did. That's why I asked that question. Um, yeah. It's 25. The same thing. 25, 24, 25. That's that's teenage yeah. dirtbag years to me. So that's. Oh, yeah. How long. So I'm just trying to, like, get this timeline here. So when do you yeah, get. Yeah. And uh, sorry that the marriage is like the. That, I feel like that's an easy way to lay out the timeline in our brains. So yeah. you get married, you tell Emily that you're going to transition. Do you go into a divorce right then and there? Do you, what does that look like? Yeah. So timeline, timeline goes, um, 24 years old. We're dating for like six months. I tell her, she's like, okay, cool. We'll figure it out. Um, another like maybe eight months goes by, we get married. I think some, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, and then after we get married, some things like start to like really progress for me. It's just, I think ironic timing has nothing to do with like that we got married, but um, sometime after we got married was when I started to really like realize that this is not exactly what I was looking for. Um, not the marriage, but just like not transitioning. So I was like starting to transition. And I think maybe like another year went by. So we were married for like a year and a half, I think, maybe a little bit longer um, before we really was were like, it's time to go our separate ways. Um, so it would have been probably been like nine months into hormonally transitioning before that happened we hung out for a while and then do you have any role models like who are you looking up to at that because there's no there's no trail map for that at that point right yeah, like sure. i'm thinking you're 32 i'm 36 i'm thinking like laura jane grace uh i'm a punk kid so like the lead singer of against me sure whatever right but like that's got to be somewhere in that timeline i think i can't remember the exacts i could look at them up for sure but i won't right now um i think she and i might have like been transitioning somewhat at the same time i can't quite remember so don't, no one quote me on that but um i do remember knowing of her at, at some point in time and thinking that that was dope but not necessarily looking to her as a role model as i was going through it I really like didn't see very many people like I there's there's like um you know old celebrities and Laverne Cox and like different 
people like out there in the world doing that. So that the, the, those people were around, but like people relatable or like athletes even like there's the only thing that you saw was like some shit. So for sure what it, what it is now is very different from even what it was when I transitioned. I think that's a good thing. Like I think, yeah, for sure. You know, Laura Jane Grace was my first introduction to that. Uh, I didn't understand it. Um, not in a, a rude offensive way. I was just very, it can be confusing and can, it can be uncomfortable and it can be, and then like, I just try to think of it on its simplest form of like, you do you. And I don't know if that's wrong, but like, that's how I view it. Like, I don't, and I don't know. I thought like, I remember, you know, again, I grew up a little punk kid and my friends had opinions on it. And I was like, who cares? Like, why does that matter? Yeah. I mean, I wish that generally speaking, everyone in the world had a similar view where they're open to like, letting people be, especially those who are not relatable, right? Like being trans isn't necessarily relatable unless you're also someone who is queer. So I think in society we have this thing where like, and no one, no one wants to talk about it, but like everyone is uncomfortable with things that they don't understand and they don't want to just say, this is something I don't understand. So it makes me uncomfortable. Like if it were, if people were honest enough with themselves, they could just say that. And then we could be like, cool, let's have a quick chat. And everyone would be like where you're at, where everyone is pretty cool with other people living their lives. But instead no one can be honest with themselves and say, huh, this whole thing makes me uncomfortable. And that's an interesting thing to think about. Instead, people want to just be like, those guys are fucking weird. I think that I'm going to make some laws against them. Yeah. It's, it's so. Like, I feel like it mostly lies within all of that. Like people don't understand how societal norms affect them and what that means for everyone else. And they don't care. They don't want to. Yeah. It's so, it's so like bizarre. Maybe is the wrong term, but it's bizarre to me that people care. And like, I'll never get over that. Cause you say like, I can't relate to that. And like, I can't relate to the things that you have to go through that I don't, that's like a hundred percent. But like, I can relate to you that you really like mountain biking and like you really enjoyed riding dirt bikes and snowboarding and being nice to people. So it's like, who, I don't know. I don't, I will never understand it. And like, I will die on that hill of never understanding it. And when I say I don't understand it, I mean like that people care. Like you, you being trans, doesn't affect me in any way shape or form like how does that and i i and maybe i'm wrong in saying who cares and i've said i said that to you already but it's like i don't care but i see why we have to have the conversations because people fucking care for some reason and like how do we get them where you're at with that and how do we get them to not care and i mean not care in the the great way not like not care about you guys <laughs> yeah i think people get people get all this like caring not caring thing like a little mixed up like and then people will 
I like to consider myself pre-centered. And so when I see people being super liberal, I'm like, yeah, you're like not being real relative to like people who refuse to understand you. They're making it harder. Same thing the other way. So I see like this whole thing where like people will say, I don't care that you're trans or I don't care that you're black. And then they get all offended. They're like, why don't you care? And it's like, I don't think that's what they're trying to say. Here, hi, I'm the center person. <laughs> I think what they mean is they're okay with with you being you and them being them. I think that people like, you know, far leaning that want people to care, what they're asked, actually looking for is they want people to understand what they have to go through, like what life is like for them. And I think that is important for like the average cis, het, white male, you know, like the most average normal white guy. Like it's, it is important for someone like that to want to understand someone else's point of view. But I think like not caring is on that road. Like not caring that someone is different is acceptance on a level. So like that's already in the right ship compared to people who do care and want it to stop right now. So um, yeah, I just wish that everyone could at least be a normal person, which is like kind of what I'm deeming not caring that other people do them. Yeah, and what is what is yeah. normal at this point, really? And that's yeah. and that's a beautiful thing. Like there is no normal, and there is no, you know. And that's a beautiful thing. Like one of my favorite songs is called "Normal," and the chorus is "You're never gonna be normal." And I'm like, "Fuck yeah, I'll never be normal." Like <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. But it's it's cra- I can't, you know i I say I understand, but I can't pretend to understand what you have to go through on a daily or maybe it's gotten easier because you found the right communities, the right circles, the right friends. But like the fact that your friends stopped calling you to dirt bike because you expressed you wanting to be how you feel is fucking insanity to me. <laughs> yeah. Just like stop getting invited to stuff, which is always how it is these days. Right? Like it's never like, you're a gross person. I don't like you. You get it on the internet, but never in real life. You know, like people, people are too lame to tell it how it is. And I wish that they would, because it would make my life a lot easier to be like, that's gross of you to think that I'm gross. Now it's easy for me to say goodbye. And instead it's just radio silence, which is like way more harmful to me. Yeah, it's being ghosted. How do you how did you yeah. deal with that? Rode my bike. <laughs> Would you say riding your bike saved your life? Yeah, for sure. There were a couple moments there where some bad choices would have been made if I didn't have that as an outlet. And what about your family and all this? Pretty neutral, I guess. Like definitely not the worst, I've got super supportive siblings um, who have come a long way since I came out to them. Um, and full circle, I haven't even told this to my parents yet, but I definitely could have done the coming out to them thing a little better than I did. Um, but I don't know. I feel like 
they've, they've always held very strong to their religion. And because of that have created an environment where I'm very uncomfortable because they're like the rest where they won't actually speak it like it is and tell me that they don't believe in who I am or whatever. So we have like a complicated relationship, but they're very loving and they try to be supportive, even though there's no way they can be. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like there are people who have it way worse and there are people who have it way better. I'm just like somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I think that's a good attitude to have. Like you could always, yeah, you know, know, the grass is always greener or, you know, what well, was me, but it's, yeah. You know, I think I you, guess general message. I don't want any of them listening to this to be like, geez, like that was fucking brutal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll hide them when we post it. We'll, we'll put them on like our close friends list and we won't. No, I'm sure at least my siblings will see this and I love them. They've been pretty great for being people who are still within the church and believing of its things they've been able to be pretty supportive of me and still live their life, live their religion, which I support too. Like if that's what makes you happy and that's your thing, I support you in that as long as you can be kind to me and support me past just like dealing with me when I'm around, which is kind of how my parents are. Um, they would cringe when I, when I hear this, I guess I tried, I just tried to make it better, but I did it. <laughs> No, I think you... I don't know. We have a complicated relationship. And I think you hit it on the head um, when you first started talking about it. You were just like, maybe I didn't come out in the best ways. And like, but that's a, it's a extremely uncomfortable situation for you to have, knowing that like everything they've taught, everything that they've taught you in the religion and like that, you know, they believe in you kind of stand yeah. against <laughs> like but yeah. that's I you mean, and that's not like exist against even yeah it's not it's not a choice like it, i don't you know i think that's like insane and like i love like some of like the bullshit with like grooming now and you are like a perfect example of like i think you were groomed and i wasn't there in your childhood but like i know enough yeah. about but like oh, yeah, i think you were the opposite you were groomed but not for the path that you ended up you know, riding down. Certainly true. So it's like, fuck off with that. And like, this is who I am. And I'm still rad and I'm still Blake. And I'm st like, I don't know. And it's, I don't know. It's so crazy to me every time I have these conversations that it's just like, there's so much more that people like yourself have to go through than I had to go through strictly for yeah. being who you feel you are like I that's I can certainly I can certainly look back on all of like the hardest things I've had to deal with in life and trace them straight back to coming to terms with who I am and then deciding to do something about it to like be authentic to who that is you know like shit was pretty easy before and this is like this whole other funny conversation about like society and the patriarchy and sexism and all that stuff that like, you know, most people accept, but some people still think it's like not actually a thing. I like, 
it's insane. I would definitely have put myself previous to coming out like someone who supported women, obviously, and who saw that all for what it was. Um, though, even though I was that person, I didn't experience it firsthand. So I couldn't understand it on a firsthand level until I came out and realized, holy shit, like life is so different now. Everything is so much harder. And I'm like white and pretty cis passing if I want to be. And like, shit's this hard for me. Like now I really get it. This shit's real. You know, like I've never made the money I was making the year I came out since coming out. And it's been six years of working really hard. <laughs> and I've never been able to get to where I like got shunned. Never made it back yet. So shit's obviously real, guys here to tell you yeah your skill set didn't change arguably you've only gotten better at those trades whether it be Way better working a camera or riding a bike it it's i don't know it's sad that's like the easiest word for it is that it's just sad that it's 2022 and we're still having like these conversations and i think they're really yeah. just starting unfortunately and i think it's you know people like yourself who have these like you laugh about it and you like talk about it and that's phenomenal like because people need to hear it my listeners need to hear it they need to because maybe they understand it more you don't know what you don't know and if you didn't grow up around it or know somebody who's going through it you have no idea and then you're just fed with what, what some asshole tells you and that's what yeah. you believe your whole life. I don't know. It's. I don't yeah, I mean, pretty fascinating stuff. I want to ask, this is my last, I mean, this is important. So we've talked about it, but like, this is a personal question for me. Cause I'm so intrigued by it. You start transitioning. I assume you take a lot of drugs. And if you don't want to talk about, it, we don't have to talk about it. But like, can you still hear me? Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's not I like. I lost the headphone, but I have another one. Yeah, it's, you're all good. Um, but like, what kind of drugs do you have to take? You don't have to go into names, but like, does it ever just calm out, or is it like always just? I don't know. I just feel like you're on so much medicine all the time, <laughs> and maybe yeah, I'm wrong. So I have no idea. No, it's definitely a lot, a lot of, well, like a few things. Um, yeah, so hormonally, like a trans person's, unless I guess they're like a unique case, a trans person's body doesn't produce the hormones to the gender which they identify. And so you have to supplement those um, and get rid of the other ones that don't work for you. So for me, testosterone was doing some bad things. So... We take spironolactone for that. It's a drug that is a blood pressure reducer. Um, and then the other two uses are, it also reduces acne, which is pretty cool. Um, but at the same time, it it is an androgen blocker. So men can't take it to reduce acne unless they want to get rid of all their testosterone. So it works great for trans people, um, blocks the testosterone before you have any surgeries. Um, and then you supplement with estrogen as well to replace the testosterone that you're blocking. 
that that combination basically does everything you want it to if hormones are what you're looking for. Um, and then you can go further than that if you want. Like I take progesterone too. And I feel like for me that balances the hormones a little better in some ways. Um, and then, yeah, basically that's it. I guess actually three. And But you're taking a morning and night every single day and you, you don't want to miss. So it is like a thing you got to think about. Like I'm in Bellingham right now and I've been, I was just in Canada. I've been full circle. I'll be gone for, from Salt Lake for like two months. Um, and I had to like give this all forethought. Like, how am I going to get my meds? How many, how much do I need? How much money do I need to like save up to get the supply and the whole thing? And this is a leading question because I think, and maybe I'm speculating for my listeners, but these are not performance enhancing drugs. Certainly doing the opposite. Um, yeah, like my testosterone and most trans women's testosterone is like significantly lower than the average cis woman's testosterone. And um, the spironolactone, and I went into this in super depth with the Big Stick Energy podcast. So if you want super details, go listen to that after this. Um, but just really quick cut and dry, the spironolactone being a blood pressure reducer also like just completely stops your body's ability to supply blood to muscles. So uh, I have a very hard time with all of that. Yeah, it's like performance unenhancing. No one ever wants to talk about it. I went into detail in the other pod. Um, but yeah, it does do the opposite. And for some reason in this huge debate, it's just like ironically skipped over by the conservatives who want to get rid of us. Yeah, I did. And I, I know you talk about it in Big Stick and I will, everyone should go listen to that episode first because you go into such greater detail of all of this and the science behind it. And it's a, way more intelligent conversation than I can have. Um, but I think it's important for the listeners to hear because it's like, it takes that notion out of it. And I will, I will admit that I, I didn't understand it. Cause I didn't, again, I didn't know what I didn't know, but like on paper, it seems very quick and easy. And it seems it's a very easy thing to jump to conclusions about. Let's say that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then as I did a hundred percent yeah. and I think, you know, and it, it, it's admitting it, I'm not perfect. And like, I yeah. wasn't standing on corners yelling at people about it, but like, I didn't understand it. And I, and I, and the more I learned, which is still tip of the iceberg, but like, I'm like, Oh shit, this is that you do not want to go hang with a bunch of pros on these. These are not helping you. These medicines are not, <laughs> these medicines are not like, all right, you got it. Like, no fucking way. This is not a cool... Yeah. Um, I think it's important. I think it's important to know. Um, it's just, it is a very huge detail that is just completely skipped over, which is just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, like that, once we have that conversation, it should be over. As far as, like, oh, this is harder to, like, 
for me to be, you know, competitive in this world and just to keep yeah. blood flowing to my brain, like. Yeah, blood flowing to everything that you need it to. Like, obviously, sports require, professional sports require a pretty, like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to say this. Like, you need to use muscles for professional sports. Like, come on. Right, it's simple. Uh, and having all of that blood flow, like, heavily reduced significantly impacts your ability to do said sport. So even if you have larger muscles because you were once a large muscled like testosterone body or whatever, however, however people want to politically correctly put that, um, it wouldn't matter because you're not getting blood to it anyway. So it's just a bunch of wasted weight and space to have to huck around. So, like, the size thing, because you were once a male, like, it's all bullshit anyway. How do you think we change that? How do you think we change the minds of the general public? I think this is, like, going back to, like, the very first five minutes of this podcast with people being honest with themselves. No one wants to be honest because they all have their agenda. Like, this is whole political agenda bullshit. No one's actually spitting honesty at the other side. It's just really as simple as that. So how do how do we change it? Voting? I think... Like, if I we're mean, talking political, I guess voting. I guess if you're getting political, yeah, like, voting is important. Everyone should be somewhat up to speed with what's going on. You can't just be the dirtbag mountain biker skier who's like, I don't give a shit about that stuff because it really does affect all of us. And if you care, then you should get some knowledge and get voting. If you don't, you know, I guess it's a free country, do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) But I don't know. I feel like honesty though, is just like all these people in this like political space can do whatever they're going to do. But if at the end of the day, like humans, on the ground floor, which is all of us are just being honest with each other with our honest with ourselves. And we're genuinely looking to understand like that's going to go a lot farther than some wackos who have power hucking stuff at each other. Like we're all going to see through it if we understand the truth because we want to, you know, like the next time you're in a grocery store and you're having an interaction with someone who might look queer or different than you or make you uncomfortable just like pause really quick and think about it like, why does this make me uncomfortable how can i maybe change that and start to see this person as also a human because they are you know like someone with a disability is just a human they just want to be loved and cared for just like anyone else and so you don't need to be uncomfortable around them just because whatever it is that they are or have I think if there's one piece of advice, I guess, is to give everyone. It's just do more stopping and thinking as you're moving through life and interacting with people. I think that would be very helpful. Yeah. And I mean, I'll just say it from my personal. Sometimes I'm afraid to offend or afraid to look dumb. And my, I guess, situation is always a little different because I'm like recording and sending this out to the world. But mm-hmm. I think 
being, I don't know, transparent or being like, I don't know. I don't know everything. I will never know everything. And I'm just learning. Like I, I interviewed Rach McBride and they are non-binary. And that was a conversation I have never had. Not because mm-hmm. I was afraid of it, not because I just never had the opportunity to have a conversation with someone like Rach. And I left that. I, went, I remember going in being like scared, like not scared might be the wrong term, but like it can be an uncomfortable conversation for I'm sure it's way more uncomfortable for Rach. But for me being selfish, like I don't want to offend them. I don't want to. And it's like I get done. And it's like, oh, they're human. They make mistakes too. Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's. So I think that's not to, but like, that's my advice is like, be open to having these conversations and listening when you have an opportunity to listen to someone who's experienced it, whether it be Rach or you or like, I can't pretend to be an expert on this. I'm not. Right. And I'm I think something that a lot of people get get wrong and I'll just yeah, okay, let me let me jump into this a little bit. I think something a lot of people get wrong is they don't want to offend and so instead of like taking the risk of maybe offending from a good place, they just like don't or just disengage or like not look at the person or like not talk to the person or, or whatever, but, but from the person's perspective, that's pretty shitty. Like if you're going around uh, as a very outwardly looking or something trans person and everyone treats you like that, could you imagine how othering that might make you feel everywhere you go where people are like, whoa, or like not wanting to look at you because they're afraid of offending you even though they come from a good place? That's pretty shitty have been there for sure and interact with people all the time who are still there and it's not fun for anyone. So I think here's a message for cisgender people and for transgender people. I think be a nice person, take the risk, but make sure that it's apparent that you're coming from a good place and that maybe you don't understand and you're looking for some help. That's always going to be better than doing the other thing and making someone feel othered. And if you're a trans person listening, do not ever be offended by someone accidentally getting something wrong if they're coming from a good place, because that is not doing any of us any good. This is my message for all trans people. Like, just don't fucking do that, because that's not helping me as your trans sister to help more straight cis people, like, understand if they're all scared of offending because you are so easily offended they will keep othering all of us. So let's just take a pause on getting offended and give people a chance and put yourself out there a little more than maybe you are and give people a chance to learn and understand and get it better for the next trans person. Like I can't do this alone. We all need to be doing this together. So that's my message to everyone. That is such a perfect response. So thank you for that. Yeah. Do you ever feel like it's not your job, though? Um, yeah, I mean, I always, I always tell people, especially in like more public conversations like this, that I'm an athlete first. I'm not here to be 
a trans advocate or something, even though like I do slightly identify as that because I have come to terms with the fact that this kind of stuff needs to be talked about and done. Um, so I'm doing it, but it is not what I'm here to do. It happens by proxy and by opportunity, honestly, like my athleticism and being a mountain biker has given me the opportunity to talk about it. And so I do but like in all reality, I'm trying to be a mountain biker. <laughs> I'm trying to make movies about mountain biking and have a good time because that's what I've decided that I love to do. Like I'm, I do get tired of talking about it all the time, even though things like this podcast are a great opportunity to share a larger message. Um, yeah, like in a general sense and in smaller day-to-day -day activities, like I do feel like this isn't my job, but I remember my own advice and it kind of is, so just my contribution to the world. You guys are freaking welcome. Good catch on not being a hypocrite. You're like, yeah, no, contradict. Hypocrite, no, but, but it is like, I, I don't have to explain myself every day for just existing the way I want to exist. So I, I, I do have that question for anyone who's trans or non-binary or queer. Like it's not your job to defend who you are every day, but you, ha I don't want to say you have to, but like you who has a voice, you choose to because that's yeah. that's the little bit you can do to to help make it better for hopefully some kid who's listening to this who's 15 and feeling the same yeah. way or no well, for sure like you don't always have to be saying something or representing your community you can just exist and i go back and forth this is a balancing act you know like if you're if you're me and you're trying to be an athlete who's kind of roped into all of this, but you're okay with it. Like you talk about it when you can. And for me, I have like the privilege of being able to go out into the world and I don't have to like be trans every day, you know? So I like put that away quite a lot, probably more often than I don't. Um, anyone that approaches me in a public or private scenario and they want to talk about it, I'm an open book, but I think, I'm able to be that way because most of the time, like being trans aside from making sure I take my pills in the morning and night is like not a huge part of my life. I try to really focus on what I'm up to and my creativity and writing and keeping myself happy um, and keeping the dysphoria and all the other stuff away. Like I, I focus more on that stuff than like the fact that I'm trans, you know? So it's a balancing act for sure. And I think everyone should pay attention to what that looks like for them. Um, you know, some people are not going to have or not going to have the ability or desire to talk about the subject as much as I do. Um, and so then they shouldn't. But it goes both ways, I guess. I don't know how you got to your headspace, but like tip of the hat for that because you have such a great like way of handling it and handling things. And I guess it's just your life. So you have to figure it out, but you're like, it's not my job, but I'll do it. And you know, if I don't want to do it, but if someone talks to me about it, I'm in. And like, so yeah. tip of the hat for that. Um, since we've talked about it and I, I want to talk about Blake, the athlete, cause it's fucking <laughs> important. And I said this before you're we recording, 
I asked you to be on this show not even knowing that you were a trans athlete. I just really liked what you were doing. Um, and that's, again, like, that's what this world should be. You're doing red shit. Let's talk about it. And so we talked about you being a trans athlete because that's important and that is your story. And like, but I want to talk about Blake, the fucking athlete. I don't give a shit what you are. Like, you're doing <laughs> badass things. Let's talk about it. I want to talk. Let's talk Dirt Diaries first because well, that yeah, just came it. out. Um, Blake's first trip to Whistler, a very creative <laughs> name. Um, let's talk about it. Let's go through it. What's the inspiration? What is first Dirt Diaries? What is that for anyone who doesn't know? And then yeah. we'll go from there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So Dirt Diaries is um, like a video competition element of Crankworks, which is like a large um, one of the larger of the world, like mountain bike. How I don't know. I should have probably looked up what crank work is. No, I don't think anyone can define it. No one can define what crank. It's just a um, thing that like happens. It's a like it's a race series that does like a bunch of different kinds of races that travels the world and tries to interact with the mountain bike community. I guess as much as possible and it's pretty cool it's so unique like it's it's a festival because it brings so many people together it brings the industry in um it's races it's all kinds of different races and because of that you get so many different like disciplines of athletes coming together so it's kind of like this crazy melting pot of mountain bike loving humans professional athletes amateur athletes um, industry professionals, just everyone together, and then they travel the world, so it's in different places too. So it kind of hits a little bit of everywhere. Um, I guess one of the main stops of it is Whistler in Canada, and that's where they do the Dirt Diaries like section of Crankworks. So essentially, what it is is a is a video competition. They pick five to six like different people who they want to compete um, each year. And then the winner is like gets five grand. I think second place is three grand, third place is two grand or something. So there's like a good amount of money involved um, in, in doing it. And then I think they, they also give you a very small amount of money to do it. So a lot of it is like, figuring out how to do it once you're invited. So I got invited this year. Um, I've never been to Whistler. I've never, I had almost never been to Canada. However, I had previously been there just like two months before that on a quick trip to the island for a shoot. So that was my first time to Canada, but I went straight to the island. So I didn't even really get the sea to sky. Um, so it was my first time like going to Whistler, my first time seeing the terrain like at all so it kind of seems like a good idea just to like make a video about doing that just because it is such a relatable and crazy experience to go there for the first time um i know you get a lot of skiers on this show too who aren't mountain bikers so they know whistler uh and but for mountain biking in the summer it's like i don't know if, if whistler is more busy in the summer or the winter, but it's like a mountain biking mecca, like one of the larger 
congregating points of mountain biking probably in the world. So it's super pops. Um, I had just never been. So that's kind of the background on that. So that that's the name. You just had the name right off the bat. Blair's, I guess so. I don't know. Um, Blake's yeah, first trip to Whistler. Of, the process just... of getting involved, period. Like, I got the email. Um, big shout to Katie Holden for for putting my name in a basket of people that she thought would be cool to to do it because that's, I guess, where my name came from. So Katie Holden got me in there and then they chose me ultimately of one of five filmmakers to come and make a movie. And basically what I was given was like, here's a thousand dollars Canadian, which didn't even cover my plane ticket to Seattle. Uh, Come do, come do this thing. And I was like, crazy. If you're a mountain biker, who's like follows and, and consumes mountain bike media, you know what Dirt Diaries is. It's a big thing. So getting the invite was kind of like this it's, cool moment of my career, I guess, where I'm like, well, they invited me to go do Dirt Diaries. So I hit up all my sponsors and I'm like, guys, I just got invited to Dirt Diaries. Do you have any money? Because so far I'm in Seattle with me and a bike and no film crew, <laughs> let alone in Whistler getting a and b and taking care of all the costs that come into doing Dirt Diaries. So um, was able to get a hold of some funding from Big Shout to Specialize. They love me and I love them. Um, and Tenet and Groundkeeper, my other two, Bellingham, which is where I am now, local sponsors. The three of them came together and we were able to come up with enough money to get a filmer, get a little crew together. Um, and then I was also invited like three three or four weeks later than everyone else. So for me coming from Utah, this is like super duper last second from the first email. And then to the point of getting the money to go do it was like another few weeks later. And so now we're working with like a week of production time. And then to give me enough time to have another week of editing the thing to get it out the door. Um, and it was just like so crazy. And I think it's a, it ended up being a blessing and a curse because, sorry, I need to clear my throat because uh, I, there's cats here and I'm very allergic. Yeah. Stuffy Blake in the house. I love that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Basically, like very last second, I end up here in Bellingham. um, And it wasn't even until like the week before when I knew who my crew was. Like I was able to get Michaela and Kelsey involved. They were pretty down to help me. Um, And then we were all together here in Bellingham for Tune-Up Festival, which if anyone's listening and interested in Tune-Up Festival, it was sick. You should go next year. Um, I'm coming. I'll be there. Mountain bike music festival. It was so sick. I will be there with a cordless microphone and a filmer. So that's on you You because you've now invited me. You should come. It was fun. We were all here. And so um, Vaya ended up having time to come help out too. So I was super psyched having a fun like crew of girls that were super down to come help me. So 
we ended up in Whistler and literally the night before <laughs> me and Michaela and my filmer Doug Jamber sat down in the VNV and we said, what are we doing? <laughs> Love that. Because it was so crazy to get the logistics together to even like get from Utah and get a crew of people to get schedules aligned to go do it. That like the creative was like, we had some ideas. I was like, like, it would be a cool idea to do like a first step to Whistler thing. Like I've definitely got my like film influences and things that I think would be fun. It's a unique situation in which you can be given an opportunity to create a project without rules or regulations. Like anytime you do something, it's always like for a campaign or for a product launch or something that's like, these are the boundaries to which you must follow to make this fun creative you project happened yeah here's a here's a voiceover we wrote for you exactly you have to say so it was a unique situation in which there was none of that it was just like a we've been awarded you a spot to come do this it needs to be filmed in whistler that's the only thing and you have a week to do it and i had a week to do it and to me with those like regulations in place it made the only thing that made sense was the first trip to Whistler situation because there was no way that I was going to be able to compete with the other people who have spent a lot of time in Whistler or live there. Like there's no way I would be able to like do a, Hey, here's this cool secret spot in Whistler, like that no one knows about. And here it is. Like none of that was for me. I've never even fucking been there. So the only thing that made sense was to be honest about it, which is here I am doing this thing to which I have no experience with. And it's gotta be funny because that's me. So we came up with the idea the night before we started filming, me and Michaela and Doug were just like, what are we doing? This is a first trip to Whistler situation. Uh, It makes sense that I like look for you guys to help me or something. And then like influences with the shot direction and stuff is like, let's go with a Wes Anderson feel because I love him and his movies. And it would be fun to mix that with like some of me. And so essentially that's kind of, when you watch My Dirt Diaries, you obviously see Wes Anderson, full admittance that we, that we looked to him in a lot of things, but it's certainly like with my own flair, like all the other little details of it, like the handshakes and, and just the different things you'll see are totally just like out of my brain, some Michaela's brain, some Doug's brain, and then Kelsey's invited to a little bit. But yeah, it was just really fun to do with no rules or regulations and be honest about it, which wasn't like, we're super sick, you should watch this. Um, or we know where to go because I don't. And so but I- ultimately... All of those things combined to get what the thing is. I liked it because it's like what I would just call relatable content. Um, Yeah. I travel a lot in my van by myself a lot. And I roll into towns and I'm like sending everyone a text or a DM and being like, Hey, I'm that podcast asshole. And I'm in town for three days. If you want to show me every secret spot and you want to ride or like, 
I'm here. And then like, you know, they answer you seven days later and they're like, oh, I missed it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But it, I loved it because it's like, yeah, you're rolling into a new town. You like don't know where the fuck you're going. You're like wandering. You're kind of ready. You're over it. You're like ready to leave. And then you see somebody and then it kind of changes your whole trip. You like, that's how I watched it or portrayed it is like, yeah, you run into somebody and then, oh, meet x and meet x and meet x and then you like have the best fucking time yeah um, that's what we're going for a dramatized version of that basically and it's just like i'm so over like sport porn for lack of a better term like Ready? so over ski porn i'm so over mountain bike porn like i just want regular porn no i just want um <laughs> like <laughs> i just like when i'm like oh I could do this with my friends. And like, I thought I, that's what I got after watching your film. It's like, I like to hear that. It's just like, it's, it's very refreshing and complex yet simple. Like the handshakes are very intentional and you notice it by the end. Like there's intent there and it's shot like that. And I have worked on many a film project and I, and I own, a photo business and that's what I've done for a living for 50. So like, I like to think I see some of that or pay attention to it at least. Um, but my favorite thing about it was just, it was just like relatable and I love short films because they leave, like I want more. And yeah. I know with dirt diaries, there's probably a time limit, but like, I don't know. It's just, and Wes Anderson is always just a cool, I actually did a ski film that was all based on, I was part of a ski film. I didn't do anything. I was just an actor, um, but it was all Wes Anderson based, and it's kind of it's very similar. It's very I'll, I'll send it to you, not right. that you care, but it was cool. It was fun, and like it's no, I do care. it's what it reminded me of. And I was like, this is just relatable, fun, and like I didn't I don't yeah. know you from nothing. I mean, I've talked to you for an hour now, but like you leave that with an understanding of like I think I I kind of get who Blake is as a human, and like that's Good. that's ah. cool. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ah. Louis, Louis. Louis's pissed. We're doing a thing. Louis, we're doing a thing. Hey, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a thing. Um, this is relevant. Michaela Gatto asks me or Louis. She asked you or Louis? No, well, not me. She asked Michaela or Louis. Oh, right now? Yeah, she messaged me. You just did that? Sorry, Mick. It's Louie all the way. You know this. I said, I said, I'm I'm interviewing Blake and I need a question for Blake. And she said, I'm panicked. I don't know, me or Louie. <laughs> Michaela, you're putting me in a really hard spot. <laughs> I did, love her. Did you answer? Did you answer that question? We need an answer. No, I, think I, I think I have to choose Louie. She's my child. All right. Come well, on, Michaela. She's out. I'll block her. Michaela, you've got... been blocked. <laughs> You're up. I have to give Michaela a good shout, though, because uh, we've become fast friends this year. I love her so much. She's like someone who I've related to for a long time, uh, having been someone who's been doing this for a lot longer than me, um, but is also just a genuine human and was able to be super cool and nice to me right off the bat. So shout out to Michaela. If you're a professional athlete listening to this, 
you should be nice to the people coming up behind you. I agree with that. I was um, CC'd in an email with Michaela to like have her be a guest on the show. And it was kind of like Mm -hmm. a sponsor obligation. I was like, she's not going to fucking answer. Like she's going to blow me off. And then we ended up talking for like two hours, like such a great human. And like, now I can like message her and she'll answer (laughs) or connect me with people. Like, that's yeah, how she's great. She's a really good one. She's phenomenal. Um, and I love that episode, by the way. Shout out to both of you. Oh, thank you. I mean, it was all her. I just mm-hmm. she blacked out for two hours and just rambled, and that's what makes it a good. That's what makes it a good combo. Which is one reason she and I are such good friends. <laughs> she messaged me after she posted nice. something after and was like, "I don't know what I said," and I was like, "You can hear it if you want," and like we don't have to put it out. And she's like. No, I think it's good. Put it out. Put it out. It's like, okay. <laughs> so it was great. Michaela's oh, great. I'm going to have her on every year, forever, hopefully. You should. <laughs> what do you want to talk about today? Uh, you had well, a really bad yeah. crash mm-hmm. in Dirt Diaries. Was that? Yeah, the crash. That kid, that, I mean, that's not planned. You worked it into the story, but like. We did. Another piece of this whole thing that was really fun for us, um, aside from the crash, but what the crash brought us, was the necessity to pivot. Uh, Some elements of the film are the way that they are because of the crash. The crash happened day one, lap one. I fell for the classic Whistler thing, which is like, you get there, you're really excited and you just jump straight into it. And then you regret that decision. And we were on basically a scouting lap that was like, we should shoot this, we should shoot this. All the writing in the film um, is pretty mellow, cruisy writing. Um, And it is that way because I crashed during scouting on what was supposed to be more like free ride, pretty gnarlier stuff that we had in mind to ride. Um, She took me straight up Garbo to Shale Master, which is where I crashed and she laced the line clean and she's been doing it for years. So I watched her do it and I was just like, easy. And so I go in, <laughs> like, I might as well just drop it now, get that out of the way. And then we can play with it later when we shoot. So I drop it and I have this really bad habit of not breaking enough. And that's what I did. And I just bounced right off that mountain. I mean, clearly you just wanted to get a nap in once you got to yeah. Whistler. So you just... I definitely got a nap in as soon as I got there. It was gnarly. Did you, you were knocked out for sure. Right? I, I'm pretty sure I got knocked out. No one remembers, but the space of time from like breathing out all my air to them getting there was like at least 10 seconds. And I don't remember any of it. Yeah. I mean, your body is pretty limp once you hit the ground yeah. like you are not in control yeah. of your i'm no expert in crashing but like you were knocked out and that's yeah, like they didn't have to wake me up or anything i don't think but i was definitely sleeping and like figuring it out as they got to me so and it, it's imp- i like talking about the i don't like talking about crashes but like it's imp- like you're a professional you're you get an opportunity you crash and now you still have to shoot and perform for the next 3 days and like yeah. i think everyone and maybe i'm speculating for my listeners or like but like yeah we all wish we could get paid to travel the country and shoot and film and like but this shit is work 
And like, it is not, you're putting your body on the line. You probably have awful healthcare thanks to our beautiful healthcare system. And like, you're a professional athlete. And the only way to continue to be a professional athlete is to push yourself and your limits. And like, sometimes you just get bit, but like, you don't get to call off. Yeah. I think that something I didn't realize before I was starting to do this and I, sure that most people don't is like this whole thing is a balancing act. It's like that, that crash really made it feel for the first time, like gambling. And I can't say that it's much different. Like you're constantly like your ability to continue doing what you do and making money, which is by doing it is to be healthy. But in order to get, better at it you have to take the risks that make you not healthy so it's just this constant like gamble honestly that's and, stressful yeah it's like it's constantly battling like i think there's a lot of mental that goes into deciding what your level of risk wants and needs to be for certain things like i've i've gotten a lot better over this last year of like on your average photo shoot like this isn't the time to do that thing you've been practicing and hope for the best no it's get a clean shot the time yeah i've always about getting a clean shot you want to make it look good but that's where the work of filming comes in it's like you get used to a feature you find out what your where your angle is and then you work to make the shot be what you're visualizing with the least amount of risk that you can the whole time as you build the risk slowly and then land somewhere that you're like comfortable with. That's like a little bit edgy, but like you're not going to risk your next month or two of work. So it's definitely a lot of work. And then aside from that constant mental situation, like everyone wants to be the filming athlete and stuff. And sure. It's like a dream for sure. It's a dream. But it is not easy. Shit is work. You're just like hiking and doing the same thing again and again and again. And you're getting tired and they want to hit a different angle. And you're having to balance like the filmer's desires and creativity and what they want to like get to make your product better with like your ability to do it and not hurt yourself. So it's, it's all this delicate, beautiful, crazy balancing act the whole time. Do you think being a filmer helps you as an athlete? Definitely. Yeah, I, I try to I try to jump into what I'm doing if I'm not needing my full brain to like compartmentalize the feature as an athlete, like if it's not taking all of me, I definitely try my best to come at it from like a creative perspective because that's what I am. So if there's a way to like talk first and get them lined up on like where we both think they should be before we even hit it, that might save me two hikes, which is like precious energy when you're talking about long days of shooting on end. So yeah, yeah definitely having that perspective helps speed up parts of the process. So it doesn't, it's not like perfect. No, and it just saves you. There's a years ago there was an article about 
uh, ski photographer shooting Tom Walsh and how difficult it was to shoot him because he was so good that he'd get the rail on like the first or second try. Like, uh, got it. And you're like, I don't, I don't have it. Like I'm the photographer or filmer. Like I don't, I missed it. Like it's a night urban shot. You're shooting strobes. You're like, it was oh, yeah, such a, a very complicated situation. It was huh? such a cool article because it put it in perspective of like, you, you know, you're both masters of your trade, but usually when you're filming or shooting, like you have a couple of like, you're just going to straight air it, right? Like you're, you're the athlete. You're going to straight air it. I'm going to frame my shot. Okay. Good, good drop. It's lined right. up. But when like, Someone is just such a master of their art. It was just like, I wish I could find this article. I referenced it a couple of times and maybe I just made it up in my brain for all I know. But like, it's something to think about. And that's what I, you know, I, again, I photograph weddings a lot and like, it's one shot. Like, that's it. You don't, you don't really get a redo there. Um, right. And it's so, so when it comes to mountain biking and risk, I want to do this as little times as possible. <laughs> so yeah. like, let's line up every angle. Let's get the shots. Let's make sure there's SD cards in our cameras. And like, we are good to yeah, go. Especially for athletes who aren't like just filmers. Well, I guess, I mean, it, it's, it, it's unanimous for everyone for sure. No one's trying to get hurt period. <clears throat> but like, you know, if you're filming something, like Dirt Diaries, for a great example, like everyone wants to, especially when you're like me and you're young, or I'm not young, but coming up, um, you, you have got something to prove. So you want to like do your best, obviously. You got you want to you prove that you deserve to be here and you want to ride. You want your riding to look like that. So that's what you're working with in your head. Um, but in reality, you know, like you've got this shoot and that shoot and this event and that other event that are all things that you need to be at and ready to do. And also those other things are where you're making your money. It's certainly not Dirt Diaries. So like it's a balancing act for sure because I could, I could go to that in my space of needing to prove myself and be like, it's time to do that 360 that I'm not ready to do uh, and take a risk and then risk paying the bills or you can not do it and then you, you get it. Yeah. yeah. It's a uh, speaking of like just total risk reward. I want to talk a little bit about Red Bull formation because that seems like mm-hmm. the ultimate risk. Like, and I think there's reward in that, but like, one right off the bat, how like and there's probably not even words to describe how cool it feels to be at formation. Like the fact that it exists and that it's growing, like and that you're invited. <laughs> like how does that feel? Yeah, uh that's a great question. I haven't actually like, talked about like the very first bit of getting invited. Like so I've been there two years now as a digger. Um, the first year I was invited was kind of, to me, left field, like Katie Holden literally DM'd me on Instagram and she's like, Hey, would you ever be interested in coming to formation? This would have been the second year that it existed. 
um, and being a digger. And I was like racing enduro at the time and pretty focused on that. Um, you know, I think I had just started racing in the pro division, but I certainly wasn't a pro or anything. I just like had built my way up to that. So that's like where the point in time that that happened, 2020, early 2021, I was like just coming in to like even existing around other professional riders. Um, and I was like, I'm not a free rider. Why would I, why would you want me there? And she's like, yeah, you are. You ride in the desert and do stuff all the time. Just having seen like my Instagram and stuff like that. It's not like I had really filmed anything at that point yet. Um, and she, so she had to do some convincing that I deserved to even be there. But once she did, and I was like, wow, okay, yeah, I'm in for sure. It was like, yes, crazy to be there. Yes, crazy to even be thought of once I like really came back to the mental part of that. Um, especially, you know, having covered everything that we've covered in this podcast, where I came from, to getting to be invited to that was like huge for me and huge moment of like community acceptance too. Like before that moment, I had really like not done a whole lot of talking about being a trans athlete. I was just kind of doing it because uh, it's what I wanted to do. So that moment for sure and getting to go be part of it was like a very pivotal moment in my career that changed like, well, other than the entire trajectory of what I was doing, um, it, it gave me access to a piece of the community and industry that I didn't previously have, which then gave me support, which then gave me a place to have a voice. So it's this huge thing and I can't thank her enough for being such a huge supporter of me um, as like, you know, a big piece of what is making the women's free ride scene grow is like Katie's brain so yeah i mean crazy to even get the invite crazy to be there crazy to experience it crazy to you know develop relationships with a lot of really key people who have been very helpful in helping me to get to a place of even being able to call myself a professional you know like i i i guess i'm that now and it's certainly what I'm doing to like pay the bills now, but I, it, it, I wasn't necessarily saying that about myself before all of these people like had an influence on me and shaped me and have helped push me in a direction. So pretty huge. Yeah. I think <clears throat> the, the professional line is so, I think everyone just struggles with imposter syndrome, like no, at every level, like every athlete I think I've ever had on the show, I could pretty much ask that question. And I think they would all be like, yep, like, I don't feel like I should be here. And like, how do you, who's to say who should be there and who shouldn't be there? Right. Like it's who, I don't know who knows, but like you're getting paid, you're, you're creating content, you're, it's just, I mean, you are a professional and that's, what's rad is like, you don't have to 
professional is such a not a loose term, but there's so many ways to be a professional mountain biker at this point. Yeah, there is. Like you don't just have to like go out and win races. Like that's people do that, but you don't have to do that. So, plug the headphones in. I know. I see you running all over the place. We've been on for a while, so to be fair, um, I don't really have a ton more questions for you, which is great. Um, what's your favorite Smash Mouth song? <laughs> uh, you know, you got to go with the classic. I don't even know what it's called. I'm having a brain fart because we're an hour and a half into a podcast. I know. I'm sorry. The song. All Star. Or walking you. on the sun. Walking on the sun's like bam, 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 bam. That one kind of slaps too, to be honest. No, all star is what I'm thinking of. But here's the background of Smash Mouth. Um, for me, so I grew up before I was. Well, I guess at the same time as wakeboarding, my dad um, had a sweet boat, <laughs> and so we wakeboarded a lot. That was like a huge thing that I did while I casually mountain biked as a kid. But like. My first involvement in like um, action sports in terms of like the industry and stuff was really through wakeboarding. I was working um, under a hyperlite rep doing different sales stuff and getting to participate in the industry and the scene of wakeboarding back then. So um, we spent a lot of time on the boat as a family and my dad is kind of a nerd. And instead of like, Oh, well, he let us listen to whatever we wanted to, but like he would always put his songs on and his music that he was like hyped on. And so his two things were Jimmy Eat World and Smash Mouth. Ugh. Like the worst. But at the time, this is like 2000, I don't, the 2002 to 2010, I guess, was like when we were spending a lot of time on the boat. And those two bands were pretty big then. So. We knew it was nerdy, but we kind of loved it too. It was like family time; like we would just like jam Smash Mouth and fucking. I mean, Smash Smash Mouth slaps. First off, and I will say that till I'm dead. Uh, if do you play any musical instruments? I play the drums and the guitar. All right. Well, this is an open invite to be in my Smash Mouth hardcore cover band called Mouth Smash. We've never played a show. I'm still nice. making a band. It's been ten years. Maybe someday at I don't know. Sea Otter will play a set. And it's all hardcore covers of Smash Mouth songs called Mouth Smash. Love it. I would play a song with you guys for sure. <laughs> Just one. Just one song. Maybe we'll have a guest whatever every time. I have zero talent on anything, really. But so you this... can sing. And you kind of look like him, too. Oh, worse. This is over. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> He's like a budget Guy Fury. Ah, oh, that's what I look oh, like. Dang it. Well, this is the sprout. This is patented. It's like a troll doll. I'm mostly just referring to that, and you're a white dude. I don't know. Thanks for generalizing me. It feels good. Yeah, it's a we big don't, generalization. Yeah, we don't get it that often. Um, you're much more in-depth and much more handsome than him. Don't worry. Yes. That's what I needed to hear for my ego. There you go. Um, AOL screen name. Oh, I don't know that I ever actually had AOL. I think I was always um, MSN. Was there a messenger? MSN messenger? Yes, there was, but it wasn't as big as AOL. What was your MSN messenger screen name? I think I was snowboarder person. Snowboarder person? Yeah. Dang. 
Mine was yeah. Ski Border 419. Nice. I didn't have any numbers. But I wanted it to be like I, I ski and I board, but it really just looked like I'm a ski boarder. Ski boarder. And That's 419 was always my favorite number because I'm straight edge and I thought like 420 was like oh, the nice. funniest thing and 419 was just like I don't know. I was a kid, so it was funny to me. That's it. Um, worst tattoo. Okay. Ooh, I don't have any bad tattoos. I love all my tattoos. Wow, that's impressive. Um, yeah, I know. I genuinely do. This butterfly, shouts to TJ, um, ended up way bigger than I originally wanted. And looking back, it's still bigger than I wanted. So maybe that one. But I do love it. And all it right. is thick. And so was TJ, and so was all his work. So I can't, I don't actually. You don't have a bad one. You need a bad tattoo. Maybe I should get one. Yeah, you need to have one. I have a spaceship abducting a pineapple. That's kind of sick, though. No, but it's really bad. It was like her eighth tattoo. It's really bad. Where do you got it? It's on my leg. Nice. It's right, it's like right there. Uh, It's bad. Um, That's it. That's what I have. Um, Blake, okay, we've been on for an hour and 27 minutes. This might be my longest podcast ever, so congratulations Damn, to that. Sick. Um, thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you for being open. Yeah. Thank you for not judging me for my ignorance. <laughs> uh, sponsors to thank, humans to thank, and what is next for Blake? Sure. Um, yeah, so many. I mean, all my sponsors, Specialized Graham, Rock Shocks, Tenet, Pit Viper, Groundkeeper, uh, Ion, all of them. I mean, Specialized particularly, they have been very, very, very crucial in giving me the opportunity to even do this for a living. So big shouts to Fiona and Curtis and Alan. I love them. Um, yeah, and I don't know, like so many people in so many places I don't even know where to start, so I'm just not going to say anyone. But thanks, all of you guys. <laughs> Perfect. Um, what's next? I know you just finished the uh, doing diaries. What was that? Oh no, her mic, her uh, headphones just died. Is this how this ends? Does it just end like this? I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, we are oh. back. Okay, but because this is in the microphone and. The speaker is there an echo uh if we were recording an entire podcast yes but for finishing strong no it's totally fine okay. sick um what was the last question what is next for blake sick. yeah so i'm hanging out in bellingham this month waiting to go to hannah's uh hang time event which is pretty sick we love it i was there last year i'm here this year, I'm spending some time hanging out and riding the jumps here. So that's the next thing that's that I'm taking part in in the next few weeks. Um, but definitely look out for a cool series that I've been working on this whole year with Specialized that comes out somewhere around Rampage in October. So this is the first time I've ever leaked it. Oh, nice. But that's going to be cool. I've been putting a lot of my time and attention and energy and creativity and etc into that so 
it's kind of like my first larger scale film project that I get to be part of. So very excited about that one. And where can people follow you? Um, find me on Instagram. It's pretty much the only place I am. Hans Blakeson, H-A-N-D-S-B-L-A-K-E-S-E-N. And uh, I think that's also my Twitter and TikTok handle, but I'm never really on those. Someone's going to have to really give me some training on the TikToks to get on there. It's so hard. You it's just so have to hard. do trending audio. It's such a scam. It is the whole thing. I'm mad at it. I'll admit that when I go on there, I get stuck in there because it's kind of fun. It's a but portal. I, can't, I just can't see myself participating. It's like YouTubing. Nothing against YouTubers, but I just can't ever see myself doing it. I was in like a Karen portal of just like old white women yelling at people yesterday. Yeah, dude, you can just get in there. For like, and it'll be like it's I hate it. Um Okay, so Instagram. Follow you on Instagram. That's your best place. You've got a new secret, top secret little short series coming out with Specialized in October. And yeah, everyone go follow you. Everyone go follow me. Come on. The more numbers I got, the better I get. More clout. Cool. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks, dude. I've, I had a good time. <laughs>